Hey, Naugatuck Valley Internet and New Haven FM radio listeners, welcome to Valley Naval Gazing Vacation Edition on WNHH. My name is Eugene Driscoll. I'm from valleyindy.org. That's a nonprofit online newspaper based in Ansonia, Connecticut. We're recording this episode on Wednesday, June 15th, the first day of a short vacation. Valley Indy reporter Ethan Fry and I are taking. Hopefully, Ethan is enjoying a few hours off. And although ValleyIndy.org is offline, I still wanted to have a radio show and podcast ready for broadcast on WNHH. So I decided to do a completely self-indulgent special episode. Now, usually Ethan Fry and I talk local news, local events. We interview local people, but not today. Today, we're talking movies, specifically horror movies. So let me introduce my guests. But first, I got to do some backstory. So in addition to reporting and editing valleyindy.org and co-hosting this podcast once a week, I'm also part of this new horror movie podcast called The Mobile Horror Companion. You can find it on iTunes and you can follow it on Twitter at MobileHC666. So today, my guests on Valley Naval Gazing are the hosts of the Mobile Horror Companion podcast, my friends Joe Greenberg and Brian Spears. Joe's a screenwriter who very recently made headlines in the motion picture industry by selling his spec script, Man Alive, for big bucks, according to Deadline.com. Hit him up for a loan. The movie's scheduled to be directed by Noah Hawley, the genius behind Fargo, which I think is the best show on television. And here's what Carson Reeves of the website Script Shadow had to say about Man Alive, Joe's screenplay. Quote, I really like this script. It gets better. It gets better. I really like this writer. Since the writing was so simple, so straight to the point, it never got in the way, allowing the story to be the star. And what a story it was. If you're a sci-fi screenwriter, you need to study this screenplay to see what a good sci-fi spec reads like. Unquote. Joe Greenberg, I'm out of breath. Welcome to the Valley Horror Naval Mobile Companion Podcast, this Frankenstein monster we've created. What's up, Joe? <laughs> uh, nothing much, Eugene. Thank you very much, I guess, for that, that, really, that really cool intro. And uh, yeah, that's, I had not read that quote by, uh, by Mr. Reeves at, at Script Shadow. Um, oh, so I guess you, so, compl- yeah. you haven't gone completely Hollywood. You don't have like Google uh, set for yourself? I-, I Googled you, and that, it was like the second or third thing that popped up. Oh, and, wow. you, and you don't want to know the second one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I, you know, and I do have to say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I, obviously, for you know, kind of everything that's happened with the script and stuff like that. And this, you know, perhaps could segue into Brian's introduction, because I know that uh, as a modest guy, he will never say this, but I actually worked through uh, a couple of drafts of Man Alive with, with Brian's input, with Brian's feedback. He's, he's been my, yeah, you know, my, my first reader press uh, for a number of years now. So a, a good portion of the success or, or kind of getting me over that the hurdle. Uh, I, I do owe to, to Mr. Brian Spears. So uh, it's funny. I stepped on your introduction for him. But, Brian, you know. Brian just uh, interrupted you. That He said that but his name wasn't on your press release. So, <laughs> Thanks for saving I, it for WNHH-FM, <laughs> a low-powered FM radio station in New Haven. That's really, it was really generous. But, all right, here is Brian Spears. Brian Spears is a special effects makeup artist. That means basically he makes monsters for the movies. He's always covered in latex, tobacco, and fake blood. And he always moves at inappropriate times. Right now he's getting up, uh, I guess, to get a glass of water. 
Brian's credits, I'll have to, to drag this out, his credits include Stakeland, We Are What You Are, and Cold in July, all directed by Jim Mickle, The Innkeepers and The Sacrament, both directed by Ty West, I Sell the Dead, Hellbenders, Shadow Dead Riot, Late Phases, Flesh for the Beast, and more recently he worked on the Netflix shows Orange is the New Black, you might have heard of that, Daredevil, and Jessica Jones. His latest gore fest, The Mind's Eye, is scheduled to be released August 5th, and its trailer just debuted on Entertainment Weekly's website. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Spears. Welcome. Hello, hello. So, the Mobile Horror Companion, the three of us got together at Joe's insistence. Joe is our fearless leader and created this thing. We've done about nine episodes, and basically we're three movie buffs, two of whom are, 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 are... entrenched in the in the movie business now uh and we're each about joe's like 39 yeah he's brian's, slightly younger than us brian's 50 well i said slightly younger than us so that I'm, makes you right. 50 so, so. I'm, I, yeah, we're, we're in our 40s right so we, we we've thought there was a need for uh, a horror podcast by uh non-hipster type types bitter overweight flatulent men that you're just that demand wasn't being met uh, according to joe greenberg so we started this thing <laughs> So for this, that wasn't quite that wasn't quite what I was thinking, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's so we'll leave pretty... the flatulence out. Yeah, Jesus. So I thought I thought for this hybrid episode, because this is essentially a marriage of a local news podcast with a horror movie podcast, we could sort of quickly go through a bunch of things we've already covered in, in past episodes of the horror movie companion. Uh, I don't care if you guys change your answers or whatever, but uh, just to give people a taste. And we can, we can just have to you know, talk about movies. And, you know, at one point I'm hoping this degenerates and just a, into a complete shouting match, uh, which has occasionally happened in previous... I think more often than not. Right. We do our regular... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do our reg- both usually it's me and, and Joe. Pretty, yeah. Me and Joe We're usually We're pretty get opinionated it. and we have the same opinion and we disagree with everything Joe says. Right. All right. So let's get into it. All right. Here we go. I'll do a little time check here. Look at that. All right. Six minutes. We're already a minute 30 behind schedule. But here we go. Brian. What horror movie character would you most like to get drunk with and why? I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think it's uh, Severin from Near Dark. Uh, that's the Bill Paxton character. And I think if you just see the movie during the, uh, the barroom scene, enough said. I'm not saying I want to get killed by the guy. I just want to have a drink with the guy. Before, he seems like he'd have a, you'd have a good time with him. What sets him off? Because in that, in that he, he, that's a vampire movie and he's one of the vampires. I mean, they just went to that bar to kill people and eat people, you know. Cause, oh, so it was essentially a feed. Yeah, there was a feeding, and he just, you know, he puts on the rock and roll music. I believe it's the Cramps. You know, it's... Uh, you even know... The, you even, I don't remember the music. Wow, yeah, that's like pretty it's impressive. A, it's a just an epic scene, and I think just he would be a fun dude to and then, go out and have a beer with. And tying in, like, the local news part of this, there's a, the Strand Theater in Seymour is actually hosting two 80s-era horror movies uh, at a later date. I don't have the info in front of me. But uh, you can check them out on Facebook where they're, oh, they're nice. taking out ads. They that's take... a movie they should play. Well, they're not doing that one because that's what I oh, said. I they're yeah. doing Lost Boys and Fright Night. But, Joe, now the same question. What movie character would you most like to get hammered with and why? Well, just really quick before I give my answer, I'd like to say that to kind of go back to Near Dark. I mean, we're, we're talking about cult movies here, but something, you know, if, you're, if your average listener is not quite a horror fan, Something to point out about that movie was that it was directed by Catherine Bigelow, who was the first woman to That's win true. an Academy Award for The for Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker, oh yeah. And that's yeah. her yeah. first movie. I believe it's her first movie, too. And it's her yeah. only good movie, in my opinion. 
<laughs> Which and she did. She got a lot of accolades for Strange Days, wasn't that her yeah, as well? That was her too. Yeah, I don't know if that one holds up. All right, that, that's, that's interesting. A little, yeah, that's a little out there. Now, Joe, of, of of the three of us, like Joe is really the uh, the movie the movie. I don't want to call him movie geek, but I will. He's the movie geek guy. I'm amazed at Joe's. I embrace that. I, I embrace movies. Good, good, good. Yeah, I mean it. I mean it in yeah. a, in in a loving way. He definitely will watch more movies than us, or at least finish them. We might start the same movies, but we never make it all the way through. At one point in this podcast, we got to talk about Unfriended. But let's get back to the topic at hand. Joe, what okay. horror movie character would you most like to tie one on with, and why? Is tie my, one on with? Is that even? Is that even a phrase? Tie one on. I don't know anyway, what kids sorry. talk about today. What would right, you? Sorry. Who would you like to have sorry. a PBR with? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But PBR is ironic. Would you like a PBR and go bowling with? Yeah. Who would you like to have a PBR yeah. and go bowling with? It's a, it's a, it's PBR has kind of been supplanted by Budweiser. Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, not to stray too far off topic. Um, but, yeah, I think my answer, you know, from when we discussed this earlier, my I, I kind of found my answer during the discussion before, and I'm going to stick with it because I'm, I'm happy with it, um, is uh, from the movie Death Proof, Stuntman Mike was played by Kurt Russell, the Quentin Tarantino mm. film. Um, and my reason for that is, and again, this is, you know, a movie that for the most part is, is probably a third of it is just one long bar scene is he's a stuntman who worked on all of these, what, you know, nowadays to, to people who are, you know, in their early twenties, like television shows that they've never even heard of think, you know, even things like TJ Hooker, which, you know, would think, Oh, everybody, I was like the William Shatner cop show or, you know, like, no, like, and and I'm an adjunct professor, and, and believe me, I know, like, throwing those references out, nobody gets that. And there's even a scene in the movie where Stuntman Mike's like, he's been talking for, you know, probably an hour and says, do any of you know any of these shows or people I'm talking about? And they'll just, you know, kind of shake their head and, you know, they they just have no idea. But that, you know, as the movie geek and, and you know, by extension, kind of a weird television geek, uh, that would fascinate me to sit there and kind of talk to somebody. Now, obviously, this guy's a sociopath and he goes off, like, you know, killing people, and it's got. But you'd like to hear on. about his movie times. Yeah, that's All it, right. man. He's Good I'm answer. sitting next to that guy, having a really cool conversation. That's a, that's probably the best night at the bar you're gonna have. Hey, what was you that? Know? What was that? You know, T.J. Hooker in those '80s. Uh, there was a time, yeah, where like there was probably a lot of stunt guys and women, I guess, working in uh, on, on uh, broadcast television. There was T.J. Hooker, the A Team. What was the one with Lee Majors? Was that the f- that was the fall, the guy. fall oh, guy? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Come on. Jeez, oh man, I could probably even hum the theme song. Yeah, it's a country That's western God. song. Yeah. Joe, are you getting angry on me? I'll, I'll uh, get off my phone, you jerk. <laughs> so huge. What about Bob you? Grant? What about you? If you had to make it, uh... oh yeah, I would. <laughs> you know what? I forgot my answer. I'd go with what's his name from uh, from uh, uh, the Devil's Spalding? Rejects, Captain Spaulding. For uh, you know what? Yeah, why? Tell us why. What'd you say? Why? You have to tell why. Uh, I'm going to keep that to myself. It's none of your business, Joe. We're going to go on to the next. <laughs> We're going to go on to the next question uh, now. Oh, but first I should do a little station ID. You're listening to Valley Naval Gazing on WNHH-FM New Haven's community radio station. So, okay, Brian, what horror movie character would you least like to run into? Well, I said this the last time. In a bar. So if you want to go into more detail, check out our... Our companion, our mobile horror, horror companion, whatever. <laughs> I can't even say the old name of our show. But, Joe named it. Uh, but I picked uh, Wilford Brimley, uh, Blair, Blair's character from The Thing, just because he seems like a miserable old man. I think that's enough said. All right, Joe, who would you least want to have a drink with at a bar? 
from the same movie, the thing that John Carpenter film, um, also played, ironically enough, by Kurt Russell, I would say R.J. McCready, who's the you know, main character in the thing. Just for the fact that, you know, he's, he's awesome in that movie and I love him as a character, but I think if I'm hanging out and just kind of want to have a couple drinks and relax at the bar, I think that he would probably be the most miserable man ever. Because he's somebody that's just sitting in his room drinking whiskey by himself to the point where, you know, he probably drinks himself to sleep every night. Like, I just don't see him as being like a fun guy. And I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. When I go out, I, I want to have a good time. I want to be around, like, fun people. Oh, see, the sociopath like, stuntman Mike is a much better guy to hang out with. I don't know about that. I'd go the opposite. I'd switch him. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'd switch him. I would love to uh, have a beer with Because, you with know, RG. at one point, R.J. McCree, he, he definitely had a good time. You know, we're just seeing, you know, that movie of him. Like, and he'd, he'd be quiet. There's nothing worse than, than someone who talks too much when you're trying to have a beer. You don't, he, he would be the right amount of... Sullen old man. Plus he might get drunk and you know you, See, you know, go on a helicopter I, I, ride in Antarctica. It might be fun. But, no, Tell some Keith David I, stories. I disagree. Well, anyway, I, I disagree because in watching, you know, if you watch a thing, you listen to the commentary with John Carpenter, and it's there's a good commentary with him and Kurt Russell. It's actually one of the coolest commentaries that you're ever going to watch. Um, and they had talked about what they figured out as the backstory for McCready was that he was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam, and that was why he was in Antarctica. Was you know, it was kind of like he just kind of couldn't go home, and he was just sort of drinking. So I feel like if you're at the bar with that guy, you're going to find out what it is that drove him down to Antarctica. You know, the the, the things that he's seen and, and just all this, like, really bad stuff. Like, the guy's got, like, demons, and I don't know, demon, demon-having people, you know, are, are kind of not a good time. <laughs> you know, not to be callous, but, you know. I don't know. That's not if you're asking me who I want to hang out with and who do I want to have a good time. Like, so that's why that's kind of the opposite of, hey, you know, hearing great stories. I think this guy would have nothing but bad stories. And the more he got drunk, the worse those stories would get. You know, Joe, so not ev- my- not everything could be puppies or rainbow. The, the, the reason Joe's saying this answer is because he lives and he grew up right near Sesame Place. And that has an effect on you. <laughs> not everything could be positive, Joe. Uh, anyway. Okay. Go All right. Ahead. Who is it? Who did you answer? No, it's my. I, I'm going to say R.J. McCree. It's you. All right. I'm going to say the person I'd least like to run into uh, at a watering hole would be uh, Sherry Moon Zombie. Pick any character she's ever played in her career. I think it would be fingernails on a chalkboard, and I would run out of there. And that's my answer. So now, all right, we're going to quickly come up with another one. Uh, but first, I just want to talk about because it kind of ties into it. We're talking about Kurt Russell. Over and over again. And I just think, I'm so psyched. Kurt Russell. I was watching him the other day uh, in that James Elroy scripted... Oh, Dark Blue? Dark Blue. Ron Shelton directed <clears throat> about uh, this sort of amoral cop. L.A. cop. Crooked, right as the L.A. L.A. riots, riots yeah, were it, happening. It's a movie that was... It's not that good. It's, it's flawed. It's deeply flawed. Like, but it's like, he's really good. But it's like, he's... It, what's amazing about Kurt Russell, he's sort of... He's become this sort of... I don't know, postmodern John Wayne all of a sudden. Like he's always had, like he could always do that good. Imp- you know what I mean? It's, just, like, he's, it's, it's great that he's coming to his own, yeah. I guess I'm trying to say. With, because uh, you look at uh, Bone Tomahawk, uh, if no one's seen that, seek that out. Great movie. Uh, it deserved all the Fantastic hype. movie. Right, right. And then uh, he, yeah. I thought he was, and he steals the Hateful Eight. I just thought I he was he's perfect awesome in that. that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, so and, and Hateful Eight's Quentin Tarantino. And my next question is to you, Joe. What actor, living or dead, 
would you like to see in a Quentin Tarantino movie? Both of mine are dead. Um, and I, I know you said one. I narrowed it down to two, and I've been going back and forth trying to get this down to one. And I think I do. Well, give us two, but one. just be quick. No, no, actually take a second, because i gotta get, I got to get a, a drink of water. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I would say my number one, who I who've narrowed it down to, is uh, Warren Oates. All right, that's great a great sweet. answer. Great answer. And, uh, you know, I was just, because the thing is, like, I, I don't know, Warren Oates is, he's not like a, you look at him and he's not like a leading man type. Even but I think in, that's like, exactly the type of character or the type of actor that Tarantino could run with. But so, yeah, and yeah. I, I would hope but, more you know, people in our audience or our listening audience would know who he is. Do you want to name a movie or two that he's been in? Uh, well, you, the number one that's popping up in my head is, uh, you know, bring me the head of our Al- Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Sam Peckinpah. Yeah, the Wild Bunch. But, yeah. I mean, maybe more people might know him from Blue Thunder or uh, Stripes. Yeah, Stripes probably. But Stripes, he's not really... No, I know, born. but I'm just trying to say for yeah. everyone. You know, that's... Yeah. But that's, you and, and, you know, and I did just watch, and this is a movie that we've talked about because one of our friends is his favorite movie, and I, I just was able to kind of find it on Blu-ray and pick it up. Um, uh, he was in with Peter Fonda. Um, oh, God. And Race with, with the Devil. Devil. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's, a, he's, he's a good stock Warren Oates character in that as well. And that's when I saw this question. I was like, you know, because I feel like Quentin Tarantino, he's got this edge to everything that he writes, and it's almost like he's reaching back now that you and say finding... That, I don't mean to interrupt you. Wait, wait, no, Joe was making a good point, I know, though. I, I want to hear the... But it's like the Michael... He's like the Michael Parks, like, you know, how Michael yeah. Parks is in all his yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, Well, yeah, but I mean... Well, we Warren Oates would be a better version. No, but of well, wait, wait, wait. Let me just let me just get yeah. this back on track because Joe was saying that how Tarantino sort of reaches back, so he's almost playing on he, on their myth and so. Well, go ahead, Joe. Right, like he's he's making movies that have like a resonance that go back, and it's not even almost like a direct homage to things, but he's trying to make movies that have a certain kind of feeling. You know, we've talked about Tarantino before, and and Jackie Brown is not a throwback movie, but it's got a kind of feeling of an old heist movie. You know, like things like that. And he picks these characters that had the, the resonance of the movies that he's trying to find, that he was trying to, you know, replicate or, or kind of bring to whatever this new story was that he was that he was trying to tell. And Warren Oates, I think, in everything that he was in, had that had that edge. Like he was just not, you know, you felt like as he's delivering his lines, like he's kind of, I don't know, he's just got this way of delivering where you feel like there was probably more written in the script, but he was able to say in two lines what was written in five but he can do it in two lines and like a look or you know like a grunt or even just some kind of like gesture and that to me is the definition of like a great actor or something that you know a true character actor is somebody that you know becomes what the writer is trying to to convey on the page and does it better than it's written mm-hmm. you know when you watch warren oates you get that feeling and and it's almost it's kind of odd to say because he was in a lot of these you know like sam peckinpah movies were you know, very visceral, and, you know, you don't really think of him, you know, almost like a, like a John Casal kind of character. Like, you, you feel, I feel if Warren Oates maybe had a better agent, like he could have, you know, made those kind of movies and had that kind of impact. Mm. So, I, so I don't know. So that was why my number one answer was, uh, was Warren Oates. That's um, awesome. And, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brian, but you were saying that Michael Parks was a guy who sort of career made this kind of late in career comeback I think because of from and dusk Tarantino till dawn, him, yeah, from dusk, right? Yeah, put from, him back on the map. And I, I just, just say from yeah, from yeah, dusk, from dusk till, till dawn. dawn. Yeah, 
And I just think in a sense that Warren Oates, if Warren Oates was alive, that might have been Warren Oates' part originally. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, but that's... I could yeah. see the minute Joe says that, I could see him in every playing every old guy in a Tarantino movie. And like that he was totally yeah. could have been in Hateful Eight. I should say I'm Eugene Driscoll from ValleyD.org. Yeah. You're listening to Valley Naval Gazing on WNHH FM, New Haven's community radio station. My guests, that was Brian Spears, and on the phone with us is Joe Greenberg. Joe is a screenwriter. Brian is a special effects makeup artist uh, for the motion picture industry and we were talking movies because this is the this is the uh, vacation edition of the valley indie we're, we're taping this actually uh brian and i are in my garage in derby connecticut uh which is it smells nice in here right there's some odd odors i did find some mice droppings earlier so i've got an, some issues i have to deal with uh there but brian so <laughs> let's talk about tarantino who would you like to see alive dead or, or maybe unborn far. my thing would be this Michael Pere, who was Eddie from Eddie and the Cruisers. <laughs> and he was in Streets of Fire. And Streets of Fire. Walter and Hill here's movie. the thing. He's in a bunch of those Ool Bowl, if I'm saying it correctly, horrible Ool Bowl movies. Joey, Joe, I'm Joey. Joe will correct you. How do you say that, that German director's name? Uwe Bowl. All right. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I Joe but knows that. They, so he's in a bunch of his movies. And I think, the, like, I'm not saying the guy's a great actor, but I just think that's a guy that if Tarantino put him in a movie... He might be a better actor. And I don't know why, but I mean, Eddie and the Cruisers, it was a cable TV, TV movie when I was growing up. Like, it, it was on every day. Well, and the same thing, you know, there was one of those How Did This Get Made podcasts where they did Streets of Fire. And it was like, uh, I remember loving Streets of, Streets of Fire as a kid because it, w- it would be on HBO all the time, but it wasn't quite, I don't, I don't think it was rated R. No. But it was violent. Like, it was, it was dudes beating each other up with, it was a Walter Hill movie. So it's, you know, it's like, Hyper realized, right? It's yeah. a, it's it a really like a bizarre yeah. music video thing, but it was it was accessible to when you were like twelve years old. But uh, I guess Rick Moranis was talking about that. He must have done interviews about that movie where it was built. I guess they were they were. I don't remember who it was, but uh, there was supposed to be a big name lead in the movie, and then at the last second they brought in Michael <laughs> Michael Pere, which again who, who he was also act. like he he can't. But I'm saying it's because he. He's got that real thick Brooklyn accent, and he's like always plays a Californian guy, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But I just think if he was put in a Tarantino movie, it could make sense. Oh, that, that's a good answer. That's a good uh, answer, and and that's a to- oh yeah. I don't, I don't know if I I'm not saying I'm I not agree saying, with Brian, but it, it but is interesting. I'm, but if you yeah. look at some of his other casting choices, and he like how he brings people back and gives them the role that they were meant to be, I'm saying he could give yeah. him a role that he was meant to have. And people forget how shocking it was for John Travolta to be in Pulp Fiction because he was a joke. Yeah. He I mean, was, he a, was in, yeah. at that time was Look Who's Talking 3 right. or whatever. He was just like, it wasn't, those. you know, The Experts or something movie like that. And he, he, made, a, he did that terrible uh, aerobics movie, movie yeah. Perfect with Jamie Lee Curtis, which is like, ugh, I was, you, couldn't, you couldn't watch that. But there, he, you know, he was, yeah, I mean, he's gone back to being but terrible. But even like Robert Foster is a great actor, but he brought him, you know, yeah. gave him a little resurgence. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying the guy's a great I, actor. I would like to see him play. Yeah, role. I think that's a stretch, man. Like, I, I really <laughs> like Philadelphia Experiment with him and Nancy well, Allen, but I, you know, I don't know. He, he's just not a good actor. I, I remember watching that movie thinking, wow, the only reason that this guy's in this movie is because he's really, really good looking. You know, Although, like, like you, I think I you could know. say the same. You could say the same about Nancy Allen. She was only getting work, I think, for a while there because wasn't she married to Brian De Palma? Because yeah. they have they both, and she was in 1941. Yeah. She kind of derailed that. It was a weird. The 80s were a weird. She was time. great in Carrie. Oh, she was great in Carrie. 
I don't know if I remember her from Carrie. I'll take you where I haven't seen that in a very long time. I mean, she's just she one was of like the, girls. the main bad girl. No, she was. I, the, I can't think of the name. The, of no, she was not the main bad girl. She's the one that makes Travolta like kill the pig. No, she wasn't. Oh, she was great in that. She was great in RoboCop. Come on, Nancy Allen. Oh, yeah. I can't say. No, you're not. You're not winning me over. All right, now my answer. I'm going to beat you guys. Okay. Yeah. Charles Bronson. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, moving on. We might have just run out of questions here. We might have to. Uh, you, don't I, I th- even, you don't even give an answer. You just say a name, and then you're blowing through. It's called dropping like, the mic. Brian. I just I, that silence was me dropping the mic. Charles Bronson. You need me to say more? How about okay, Charlie Bronson? <laughs> I can All right. tell you what my what my second choice. Oh was. yeah, yeah. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. John Cassavetes. Mm, yeah. How about Charles Bronson and John Cassavetes in a Dirty Dozen sequel? In a like Dirty John Dozen. Cassavetes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From he was yeah, yeah. It, it should be a Dirty Dozen sequel, and it should be the movie that uh, uh, Inglorious Bastards should have be. been. Yeah. The most overhyped, over like. What's well, that? no, there is a not, movie. Not underrated. Inglorious what's the opposite Bastards. of underrated? Of, of underrated. Overhyped? I don't know. Hyped. Yeah. Okay. Overrated? That. Overrated. Overrated. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Once again, you crystallized my thoughts perfectly. Thank you. But go ahead. Why? Why him? Why him? Oh, now I have to answer, but you don't have to say Charles Bronson. Well, I mean, I, Charles Bronson. What, what do you set. want me to say? Okay, Charles Bronson would be good in a Quentin Tarantino movie. I mean, we'd all want to see it. What else? He, he's Mr. Majestic, Mr. Majestic Part Two with Charlie Bronson and Quint, directed by Quentin Tarantino with Michael Madsen in the uh, bad guy heavy role. That's what I want to see. Okay, all right. John Cassavetes, I I just think is is kind of. He works for me in the same way, but maybe not quite as well as like Warren Oates does. You know, if if you're talking about him in the Dirty Dozen, um, um, and also him in Rosemary's Baby, like he's just this guy with an edge, and he's like a you oh, know yeah. like a man man, you know, like zero empathy, uh, you know, just kind of like not necessarily like a bad guy, but kind of a good guy that really it it is very close to the line of being bad but has maybe like one redeeming quality. And I think those are kind of like the characters, you know, he, I feel like he, you know, just like Warner's could have been Kurt Russell in the hateful eight. Cause Kurt Russell in that movie, you know, is, is, is kind of, he's an SOB, you know, like he's not, he's not a gentle guy. He's, you know, it's an ensemble movie, but he's kind of the protagonist and not to ruin how that movie sort of goes out, but he's the driving force through that movie. I, I think John Cassavetes, that would have been a great character role for for him as well. Yeah, he, he so would play a he, he can play a great like obnoxious dude too. But let me ask you a question, Joe. Now that you're Mr. Hollywood, ghostwriting all these <laughs> scripts, and we got this, that, and the other <laughs> thing going on, can you sit through a John Cassavetes directed movie? And before you answer, I just want to say we are on in New Haven, Connecticut, home to Yale University. <laughs> We've got Yale film students who might have stumbled upon this. John Cassavetes. Uh. You know, John Cassavetes is kind of in the same realm, maybe, as like a Sam Peckinpah. What? Where, what? what? Joe, how dare you? What do you... All right, sorry. Well, sorry. this is what I mean by that. I mean, if we're talking... I, and I don't mean... I, I should have prefaced this because I don't mean like quality of film. What I mean is subject matter and the way that it's presented. If you're looking at... We live in a very politically correct time now. Like, there's no way this guy would have ever gotten a movie made. And I, I, I think the same thing as Sam Peckinpah. There's no way that he would have gotten a major release. Yeah, but you his know, movies if, are if watchable. Think about, I, I'm not a huge know, fan guy, of John Cassavetti movies myself, but I don't get them. Maybe. I can't sit through them. 
But like Sam Peckinpah movies, all right, if you want to say they're a little bit, you know, chauvinistic. I think it's for the but era. But I think it's it was, the era. Yeah. yeah. And he made macho so I, movies. And maybe maybe you're saying Cassavetes made macho indie movies. I just never really... I didn't dig his subject matter. A lot of crying. A lot of Peter Falk. Well, you know, I mean, if, if you talk about, like, one of Cassavetes' like early movies, which was, you know, Faces with Gina Rollins and... Um, oh, Gina Rollins. You know, John Marley, who played the uh, the studio guy in The Godfather, who got the horse's head like in his sheets. Uh, that's a that's a brilliant, brilliant movie, and you can see. I I don't know. You can see the promise of this guy, but I don't think that. I think probably faces would have been made, but I I think probably everything that kind of came after that. There's no way that. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it would be made today. There's no way this guy would have ever gotten like a budget or an investor or been able to like walk into like a pitch meeting and say, okay, X, Y, and Z is going to happen to this woman. And, you know, she's not going to be against it. And, you know, like, it, and I think it, Sam Peckinpah, it's that similar kind of, you know, arithmetic to. I mean, come on. The women that, under the influence is nowhere near the getaway. Like, I mean, that's just a classic movie. Yeah, he Joe's arguing yeah, a whole yeah. other thing though. I kind of I, I, I get what you're saying in the sense. Yeah, Cassavetti sucks. Let's move on. All right, let's move on. Okay, okay. All right, so that's we're at that. That's not even what we're talking about. So it's it's good that we're moving on. Like, let's uh, we'll, let's get let, let's get yeah. to the next one here. We're about at the the thirty minute mark. We're rapidly uh, uh, flying through, burning our minutes on a uh, Valley Naval Gazing slash what's our name of our other podcast? Mobile Horror Companion, which is a take I, I think on Prairie Home Companion. Joe, was that the idea there? That would be correct. Yes. Yes, sir. All right, Joe. Name a horror movie. <laughs> name a horror movie you loved years ago, but simply has not stood the test of time. All right. So you were speaking before about when this was going to devolve into an argument and when you were going to start screaming at me. So this is my same answer as when we talked about this before: the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. Can I interrupt for a second? You're wrong. Well, I was just going to say that everyone Make should go point. look up. Our our Twitter and our, find that episode on iTunes or whatever. Brian, what's our what's our what do you mean? What, I, what's our Twitter handle, dude? I have no idea. Six 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 or something. I don't know. It's mobile HC six six six. All right. So go look that up, and you can hear Joe's stupid answer of why that's not a good movie, even though it's a good movie. I don't remember what he said, so uh, he's got to he repeat some like, of it. <laughs> you know he's on. He's on. The, he's talking to us right I now. Know, but. All right, Joe, go ahead. <laughs> I, you know, I. It's way better than the first one. Your, it is not. That's that's my big problem. With Joe, have you mentioned us you, to Noah Hawley yet? Have you have you like said, hey, I do this podcast. We talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Has that come up yet in any of your conversations with them or emails? Or do you guys send you guys? I, I picture you guys writing old fashioned letters. <laughs> all right, no, no comment. Uh, all right, actually, go. All right, go. Go. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go, you can go anyway. back to the go back to TX2. I call it TX2 for short. Yeah, I love the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You two do not. So this Ooh. movie, as a sequel to that, I just think is like hor- like horrifying in not a horror fan kind of way, but just something that it's it's you know we had the discussion before of Toby Hooper, you know 
giving this as maybe like a middle finger to to the people that wanted to him to recreate what he did with the first one and and it was this statement against you know the studio system and and but that very well may be but like i don't i don't know i love that first movie and i think that first movie works as as something i i, I see the first texas chainsaw massacre as the birth of the slasher film there were so many things that we just think of as like, oh, that's like a, a total genre trope now when it comes to a Friday the 13th or a Nightmare on Elm Street or even, you know, the various remakes. of. Texas well, you Cancel just Master. said slasher movies, so I'm going to eat up some of your time to take give myself a little bit of time. I am going to say, while I disagree with you on your choice, I am going to say like my... Wait, we're not going to yell about Texas Chainsaw Massacre because Part 2? he's just going to say, he just says the first one's better. And it's I a comedy. Can't. Texas Chainsaw 2 is a, is a brilliant comedy. It's got Dennis Hopper it's in it. Ridiculous. It's better than the first. It's an insult to the first one. No, it's not. It's just it's fun. Ri- it's a ridiculous movie. It's fun. Brian, as a gore makeup guy. I mean, it's a way better movie. I mean, dude, as visually, as an art-directed movie, as a movie that like is more colorful, that first movie is so grainy and so shaky. You can't, you can't you, see anything. Yeah, right. You always think. I remember. I remember distinctly. It's scary budget. about some dude running around the woods where you don't see anything. Right. You, yeah. It's just like, and it's just that's it's, not it's, even it's what happens. Screaming. They one by one go to this house and oh, and, and Leatherface uh, is this thing that's like afraid and you know like this like this basically you know giant baby that you know is killing these people that are coming into his house and he's terrified inside and there's a couple like shots of him killing one of them and then running to the windows to see if anybody else is there. There's no and shot to him killing always... anyone because they couldn't afford that. It's just like implied more in the first one. No, he hits him with a hammer. Yeah, like You don't not... really see him kind of go into town with like the chainsaw or stuff like that. It's... But then, and you know, even that whole sequence where they have her at like the dinner table. Oh, and it's it just takes, this, like... like, I don't know how long that sequence actually is, but I would swear it's two hours and 22 minutes <laughs> of just movie. that. It's the whole movie. It's like, oh my God, just like okay. do something. So compare that when Dennis Hopper is down in the mine shaft and he's got his two little chainsaws that he somehow and he's like, has. Yeah, woo! Yeah. I just and got nominated great. for an Oscar for right. Hoosiers. Right. right. Got, yeah. And he's and it's a and Golden Globus, it's a canon film. Cutting, he's cutting the uh, you know, like the supports of the little mine and things are like and you know, like it's falling in on him and nobody else is like even around him. That is awesome. It's just, That's cinematic gold. Mm. It's just I don't know. It's well, if you compare, like, I mean, I think Texas Chainsaw 2 has a bunch of good... Perf- you got Bill Mosley. That guy, has be- he became a, a genre That's legend. That's the one shining moment of that. Is Bill Mosley. I also no. think it's a better love. And the lead. I think the, and the female and, lead is and, much better. She's yeah. awesome in that movie. Like, she's totally you got, badass. You got two good performances like out of them, but it's just, it's not a good movie. And Dennis Hopper's you know, great. Like, That's one of Dennis Hopper's comeback. He, Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet, Hoosiers, and that he did all around the same And I, I think he should have gotten the Oscar for Texas Chainsaw 2 and not Hoosiers. Hoosiers, come on. I saw Hoosiers uh, 50 years ago. It was called Rocky. How many times are you going to remake that movie? All right. So what? Who goes now? I mean, I'll just say Brian, I'm take not your a shot. fan of... Hey, sequels, even though I'm deba- de- de- debating. But if I had to pick a movie, I don't know. Pick either Halloween 3, 4, 5, 6. Pick Friday 13th, 3, 4, 5, 6. Nightmare on Elm Street, pick 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Although I like Nightmare on Elm Street 3. But I, all the other ones, I'm like, eh. Dream Warriors. Yeah. And that's because that's campier and fun. But so I'm just going to say the Masked Killer sequel because I can't just pick one of those movies because I think they're all horrible. All of them. So you're, you're yeah. essentially saying every horror movie made between 1983 and 89. 
at least they're they're once it gets part three, even twos on some of them. You know what I mean? Like, like Halloween's a gr- good movie, but I mean Halloween two didn't really need to get made. Mm. I mean, let's be honest. Nightmare. I mean, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street doesn't really hold up as much. You just ne- stole my answer. But now neither I can't does. Go. But all right. But you can elaborate on that one. But like, if you watch Friday the Thirteenth. That movie does not hold up now. What and about, everyone that says that it does, they're I wrong. remember in 1984 when Part 4 came out, I was 10 years old, and VH uh, was still relatively new, VHS, and had a, the, the VCR in the house. And I remember liking that. And that was with uh, that's what, the guy Feldman? from Last, Corey Feldman and the guy from Last American Virgin that we had yeah. mentioned in our most recently mobile horror companion podcast published on iTunes and other places. Uh I haven't seen that though. Does that hold up? Right? I don't think any of them hold up because they're just, you know, once you see it once, it's like the a, final chapter. It was yeah. supposed to be. It, it's like once yeah. once the gore gags and the gags of people are dead. It's like a stand up routine. How many times can you watch somebody's real fresh stand up? Oh, it's like take my wife, please. Yeah, like it's already it just happens, and it's like I don't know. I don't think they, I don't think there's anything ingenious to it. And we probably identified with that. You can identify with that one more is because. It, a, it had like a little kid in it, you know. So hey, the little kid and he was is the same age yeah. as us, essentially. Yeah. So yeah. It, it brought us a little closer to the movie. But I mean, I think if you watched them all, I just think, you know, there's nothing cinematic about those movies. Although I do like, I mean, one thing that I get caught up in as a horror genre guy. Although I don't, I don't follow nearly as much as you and Joe do. When you go to horror conventions. And which I do, and which Brian and I have been doing since we were probably 14 years old. Uh, I love hearing how those slasher movies got made. And there's a whole nostalgia to it. And if anybody out there, because you also got to keep in mind that if people are listening to this and we're talking about, yeah, it had a lot of gore, how that can uh, come off as unseemly. But when you go to a horror convention, there's this whole, it's like a high school reunion feel to it. And the filmmakers get up there and they have this whole cult following that they're shocked they have, you know, like a bit or an extra or bit player from Friday the 13th part five, you know, will get up there and talk about how they got the movie and maybe it was the only movie they had ever done. And it's just really sort of breaks the wall between the audience and the filmmaker. Uh, And that's what I love about those old uh, sort of franchise Halloween, you know, two through seven and Friday the 13th part, whatever. Uh, if you go to horror conventions. And there is a horror convention coming to Connecticut in August, which is a big deal. And George Romero is going to be the CT Horror Fest. Because I'm I'm recording this in my basement, I have absolutely no information as to when it is, sometime in August. But if you search uh, CT Horror Fest... Late August, I want to say, but I could be wrong. And people can use Google. You know what I mean? They don't need me to wipe their nose. They can use Google or or, or on Facebook. And it's a Seymour resident who is organizing it. And George Romero... Grandpa himself, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and then a whole bunch of really bad movies, is going to be in Connecticut, in Danbury, at the Matrix Conference Center or something like that. It's right over the it's right, it's, it's right, right, right over the, the New York border. Right, right, right. It's good. I've gone to that show. I've, I went to the first two, and uh, I think it, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good one. So I guess it's it, it, now it's my answer, right? We're about 39 minutes into this. I have to uh, talk about a movie that I loved as a kid, a horror movie I loved as a kid, but uh, see it now and it just doesn't hold up. And I'll just quickly say, I, I don't think the first Nightmare in Elm Street holds up. I think it, it, to me it comes across as cheesy and maybe like, I don't know, I'm a nonfiction guy by nature 
you know, as a reporter, I don't write fiction. I don't, I don't even read fiction really anymore. It's just, and that whole thing is dream sequences. The whole concept of it bothers me. It, you know, the, the, the effects are sort of cheesy. Uh, I'm oh, a guy that like, I, I hate, I hate like the Sopranos when they would do dream sequences and I just, I, and that's a whole movie. I, maybe it's just me, but I don't think that movie holds up whatsoever. I'll go one step farther in, in agreeing in a sense that do any of Wes Craven's movies hold up? Cause he's revered and he passed and I'm very sorry to hear that. Like a lot of his movies. Uh... Yeah, that's true. I never find myself sitting down and being like, Oh, let me, well, let me watch. You know, he create, all right, we could all say this. He created a living legend in Freddy Krueger, but is that a good thing? And that's maybe my problem with all of those slasher type movies. They created the icons have become bigger. You know, there are Frankenstein, our Wolfman, are the universal monsters, as they're called. And I, I don't think Michael Myers, you know, I don't think uh, Jason Voorhees, and I don't think... Like, no, I think they are. They're, they, they, they're, there, are they, there are generations. I know, but I don't think they're as good as those originals. Because I think be, but those originals were plagued with the same problems that, you know, like a, a Jason or Freddy was. Like, I mean, even The Bride of Frankenstein, which is, you know, it's iconic. And you, we all think of the woman shrieking and stuff like that, you know, with her, with her hair and everything. That movie was absolutely ridiculous. You know, like, if you watch that movie, it's, I... it's, a, it's just as, you know, I dare say stupid as some of the poor... <laughs> Well, you maybe know, that's the thing. The movies that we've grown up with. The movies we've grown up with, they got even stupider because they just let them keep going. And I'm sure that was a money thing. But there was never that. like a Freddy meets Abbott and Costello. Well, it's called Jason Freddy vs. Jason. Ab- yeah, Freddy vs. Jason. And, yeah, anytime they and, put and a rap artist see, or like, a hip-hop Freddy, dude. Yeah, did you ever see like Freddy TV show? Like Freddy was on, you know, they probably had Freddy Serial. Yeah, I mean, Freddie recorded a uh, rap song for uh, for Glenn Baisley, independent filmmaker yeah. Glenn Baisley uh, did a yeah. Well, so. I think I uh, I believe in I think it was Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four that he did a song with the rap group the Fat Boys, but then I also think Will Smith had you know DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince had uh, their song. I think it was Are You Ready for Freddie? Back in the day. All right, so, so there's, there's your, so there's your Abbott there's, Costello, there's your Abbott so and Costello I, you know. Greenberg. But didn't you I, watch a Halloween with Busta just, Rhymes? Oh, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> thank you. All right, Joe answered his own before. question. Like, I had the Halloween box, you know, box set of Blu-rays and stuff like that. And the first one is a, is a great movie, but the rest kind of are, are you know, borderline unwatchable. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I would disagree, and we've disagreed about this before, that the original Nightmare on Elm Street doesn't hold up. Um, and I think if you don't like the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you're not going to like films like the original Last House on the Left. You know, like well, I like that uh, better it, than Chainsaw. All, yeah, I they're agree. all in that same kind of you know wheelhouse, I guess. So it, it goes to personal taste, but I I do think the original Nightmare on Street holds up. I've I've rewatched it recently, and you know, I mean, there's I mean, obviously there's stuff with like now there's cell phones and you know like the things that if you were updating it would you'd have to kind of take into consideration let's not even get into the updates because they have updated and that actually was worse than any of the other movies yeah Yeah. but you know what well listen what do you let me let me throw out a last topic we have about let me just click on this we have about five minutes left do you guys want to talk about I could throw out movies that were filmed in Connecticut since we're a Connecticut based podcast or do you want to talk about or throw out there a horror movie that you think deserves 
to be remade. I'd rather hear the Connecticut movies. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're the host, man. This is, well, we're let's we're in your back backyard. Cause... Like, let's talk about Connecticut. But we got to be quick. We're literally yeah. in my backyard. All right, I'm going to throw out movies that uh, were filmed in Connecticut, and I just want you guys to react to it. And uh, before people kill us on Facebook, Twitter, or email me, the the source for this is either personal experience, Wikipedia, of course, or uh, you know just things that Brian has stashed in his wallet. Okay. According to Brian, Friday the 13th Part 2. I know that for a fact because I might be shooting at that same location on another movie this summer. So what's your... Do you know where in Connecticut no, that was filmed? I have filmed? no idea. But I think in like in the Kent, Connecticut area because there's Kent, a bunch, Connecticut there area. A bunch okay. of movies in that area. So what? Uh, now, Joe, let me ask you, which one is part two? Is that the one where we first see Jason's mask? Or is yes, it, that's a Steve Miner movie. No, that's part three is where he gets the hockey mask. Part two is when he has the bag oh, yeah, over his right. head. But he's adult Jason killing people. So oh, okay, that's he's got the burlap bag yeah, over. The, that's the a terrible movie, movie. Is the girl where he jumps through the window with the girl. Oh, Amy Steele is yeah. that who's in it? Oh, that's, okay, like okay. I actually scared me as a little kid. Yeah, I do. Yeah, okay. So I have fond memories of that. I've seen that when I was a little kid. Joe, what about you? What are your thoughts uh, on Friday the 13th Part 2? I liked it. I did. That, because that one, you know, there was there was a lot of stuff in the script that was cool, even beyond the slasher stuff where you're where you, Amy Steele's talking. She's like a child psychology major in college or whatever. She's talking about what it would be like if a young boy saw his mother beheaded and he just lived out in the woods, what he would become, and then... Jason Voorhees is that thing that they're dealing with for the rest of the movie. So I thought that that's one of my favorite of the series of films. Okay, Joe. Next one, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2 I haven't seen that. I know that will yes, surprise that's me. That's what we were checking for, Joe. Are we you were just ki- checking you. That's on your Netflix. Cl- <laughs> I mean, and, and people think we're, we're, we're joking. No, no, no. Joe's favorite <laughs> movie is Unfriended, <laughs> a movie called Unfriended. That's not my favorite movie. I like it. your second so favorite movie, all right? Right. Other than your script, Man I, Alive. I have seen Sister of the Traveling Pants Part 1. Uh, it was filmed in Danbury. I I, I used was to... any of that filmed in Connecticut? Yes. Yeah, it Travel, was, Traveling yeah, Pants Yeah, at part uh, two. Western, Western Connecticut. Uh, part 2 was Western Connecticut State University on White Street in Danbury. I was a reporter there for uh, twice. I did two tours in Danbury. I left and then went back. Uh, <laughs> Also, uh, I, I can give you a personal one here. Uh, the Private Lives of Pippa Lee. Did you ever sit through that, Brian? I have seen it. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's I bad. haven't. But uh, The cast, though. The cast, the cast it's is giant... incredible. And also, it's... Uh, God darn it. It's uh, 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 what's Miller, Arthur, Arthur Miller's, Miller's daughter. daughter, who's married to... Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. And they live in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like... It's like, like Robin, Robin Wright, Alan Arkin, yeah. uh, uh, Keanu Reeves... Monica Bellucci, the whole world's in that yeah. movie. And I had this, uh, I had to do a story on it. They filmed at a restaurant in like Danbury. Like a Italian place in Danbury? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, I don't know if it was Italian, but oh, wow, we're, we're, we're rapidly running out of time. But uh, anyway, I, I the, the, the owner got me in because, you know, like, you know, you, you, you freaks on your movie sets, you all like, you know, I, I've talked, I've interviewed President Clinton. I just walked up to him in a photo mat. That's easier than walking up to somebody on a movie set because it's like, oh, it's like you, you people got ego problems. And I'm, I'm saying that to both of you guys. So anyway, <laughs> the owner got me in as just like, he said, like, just hold your, you know, don't don't bring out. And the owner was just drinking wine. Yeah. He was getting hammered as, the, as Alan Arkin and Robin Wright Penn were filming this scene. And Robin Wright Penn uh, walked by me and, 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 and she her hand brushed my butt for some reason. I, don't, I didn't say anything. It was a weird uh, thing, but it happened. 
All right, so we're at uh, we're at we're at forty eight minutes, so we should just wrap this up. So I just want to thank. <laughs> I just want to. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I can't. I can't. I can't. It, this is live. We're doing it live. We record live. Sure. I do. I do not edit. But I want to thank both you guys for one, Joe, for you giving me the uh, the chance to be on the Mobile Horror Companion, which I I, I enjoy uh, when we do that. And we have a bunch. If you want to go look at that, it's on iTunes. We've got enough. Uh, we've recorded enough to last us to like October. And and Joe's yeah. not on a lot of them, so that that's a selling point for some. Yeah. Our bar scene episode that we discussed, that's actually episode four. If you go look nice. you know, for what we were talking about earlier, that's that's the episode where we first addressed all this stuff. So And then the next one coming out is part two of our interview interview with Glenn Baisley. Yeah. Indie and filmmaker. then the one after that is where we get into the argument about uh hard candy. Oh boy, yeah. Ooh, that's edited, huh? No, not really. It's, it's, pretty, well, it's all there. We, Give we it another make, look at we it. We both make some good points. So. Can you cut out some of my cursing, Joe? You, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you, you're, you're posting these things. I'm coming off bad. But it's the web, man. It's the web. But you can't uh, stop the signal. But I wish there were so many other things I wanted to talk to you guys about. We, we haven't talked to Joe about how he sold the script. We haven't talked to Brian just, back from, just got back from Canada filming a movie for the past four weeks, you know? But uh, but hey, we could do a part two. Let's you know we'll 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 come back to you know for your audience. We'll come back for another episode. All right, we'll see how you we'll guys see, do yeah. with downloads. It all it's all depending well, on the, the other ratings. Thing. Let's see what, how it beat up we get. <laughs> Just remember, it was Joe Greenberg who really liked Unfriended. I'll see you guys later. It was really nice being on the radio show. <sighs> all right, everybody. I'm Eugene Driscoll. You have been listening to Valley Naval Gazing on WNHH FMLP and on valleyindie.org, or maybe you're listening to us on SoundCloud or iTunes or whatever you freaky people uh, get your information from. That's, that's not my business. It's yours. So signing off for uh, Brian Spears and Joe Greenberg, I will see you next week.